0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public, free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTradio.live. Patrick Henningsen and TNT. TNT.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Welcome. Welcome to this live broadcast here on Wednesday. This is TNT Today's News Talk. I'm your host, Patrick Kenningson. So great to have you with us. And also a big hello to everybody in the TNT chat community. Great to see you guys there. Great numbers, by the way. Yeah, we were off last week, but we seem to have rebounded uh, well over 100 people uh, in the chat room throughout the majority Of the broadcast yesterday let's get those numbers up today here on tnt if you're listening or if you're watching in technicolor do enjoy us on the live streams we've got multiple live streams going to youtube uh, and rumble as well if you want to watch things in video or if you just want to listen at your leisure which many people do especially if you're driving i hope you're not watching us while you're driving i hope you're using the bluetooth and pumping it through your car stereo and not driving and watching video because that would be dangerous I don't want that on our heads so drive safely listen with the audio stream when you're in your car we got a fantastic program today we're going to be actually doing some hard news today Uh, I've got Freddie Ponton our European correspondent he's going to be coming on uh, in the first hour uh, to share if if you've been following Freddie's Twitter X feed. Many people are following it now. Many influential accounts are now following and retweeting the work of Freddie Ponton. That's because he is going from strength to strength with his journalism. He's going to share some of his findings with us. There are many Uh, He's posted many articles as well on X, uh, so we're looking forward to speaking to Freddie about that. Uh, Not least of all, war crimes uh, are now being documented uh, in Gaza at the hands of the Israelis. There's no doubt about this. This is where the story is right now. So we're going to be detailing some of that plus some of the other things that Freddie has been looking into, putting some historical perspective on some of the finer points of this educating people. That's what we're trying to do on the program. We'll get Freddie in to do more of that in the first hour. In the second hour, I got an amazing guest, Dr. Doctor Neil McRae has penned a couple of fantastic articles, very different articles, both of which are at 21 stcenturywiredcom He's going to be joining us to talk about, among other things, the crackdown on free speech in the UK. That's going to be interesting. And even as it results... Two people not being allowed to uh, hold certain placards uh, in public. Uh, I'm talking about the pro-Palestinian marches. Uh, The British police is basically policing speech on behalf of the Israeli embassy, believe it or not. uh, That's essentially what's happening. If you've seen the Al Jazeera uh, two-part investigative series called The Lobby, uh, Lobby UK, Lobby US, the two different versions of that documentary investigation series, you'll know that the Israeli embassy ha- holds huge sway uh, in the UK government now, both Labour and Conservative. So not surprising the police are cracking down on free speech. We'll talk to D- Dr. Neil McRae on that. That's going to be interesting. He's also got another, let's say, more cheeky, article about all the world is a stage, the political theater, and some of the uncanny lookalikes uh, that we have in positions of power and who they look like, who could their paternal, their real paternal parents be. Uh, I'll give you a hint. One of them is Justin Trudeau. I'll leave it there. I think you guys can fill in the blanks. That'll be a interesting second segment in the uh, discussion we're going to have with Dr. Neil McRae from the UK. He's a brilliant writer and a fantastic raconteur. We're just very pleased and honored to be able to spend time with him this week. So another great mind uh, that we can bring to you on this program. Now, uh, if... If you are perusing a 21st century wire, you'll see a report that we have filed uh, in the early hours of this morning. And that report reads as follows. The headline is Israel now admits to immense amount of friendly fire on October 7th. So we talked about this before. And of course, we were right. And now there's more evidence coming out uh, that. And here's the here's the bottom line that on October 7th, uh, according to Israeli police, Uh, It's very likely that the Israeli military mowed down more of its own civilians than Hamas did. I'm talking about unarmed civilians, not soldiers, civilians. Okay. So this was initially hinted at in the Harass Report, which we talked about, which was put out on November 18th. If you're following this story, anybody who's actually following this and the Israeli Uh, media on this, you'll know that there is actual evidence of uh, the Israeli military who deployed Apache, US-made Apache helicopters, panicked and started basically shooting everything. And they killed quite a few people at this music festival, the Nova Music Festival. Those of you who are not following this closely and are relying on Fox News and other sort of fake news outlets and sort of bogus mainstream media outlets, or you're uh, relying on the BBC uh, or who knows uh, what other outlets, you won't know any of this because it's been blacked out. Why is it blacked out? Because this undermines the whole narrative of October 7th. Is it painful for me to say this? Not at all. This is just the facts. Okay, so Heretz had already given us some details on this, but there's more, there's more, and this is what's going to happen. More facts are going to drip out over time, and everybody who's been pushing uh, Israeli propaganda, state propaganda, who are, who are pushing IDF press conferences and absolute propaganda and retrograde information that's designed to deceive the public, everybody who's been pushing that um, is going to be held to account for that. Okay. So we were cautious and skeptical, which as a journalist is the correct position. Okay. Not flying off and repeating like a ventriloquist, everything that's coming out of either the U S government, the Israeli government, Fox news, or whoever the Western mainstream media outlets are. Okay. That's not journalism. Okay. Just saying. It wasn't for COVID, it wasn't for the vaccines, and it's not for this story either. Why is it that some people who are health freedom warriors all of a sudden are now worshiping at the altar of the mainstream media and government? It really does boggle the mind, but we're here to set some of these things straight. So apologies if this offends anybody. We're just, again, giving you the facts. So the Israeli army, And this, the the Haaretz report that we cited previously, that was from his Israeli police investigation and police sources had given and leaked information to Haaretz. That's an Israeli newspaper. Okay. So again, those of you who follow this stuff closely, none of this is a surprise to you. Those of you who just graze over the information and the media and look for things that reaffirm your own bias, this will all be a shock to you. The Israeli army on Tuesday of this week, admitted immense and complex quantity of what it calls, quote, friendly fire incidents, which actually took place on October 7th. Okay, and I'll translate that. That's the Israeli military killing its own people at the music festival and also in the kibbutzes, okay? Now, all of these were attributed to Hamas immediately because everyone believed what was coming out of the Israeli government's mouth and Benjamin Netanyahu and the White House which wasn't true. Okay. Sorry. Apologies. We're just giving you the facts. The key declaration was buried in the penultimate paragraph in an article by Yoav Zitun, a military correspondent for Ynet. And it is the first known official Israeli army admission that a significant number of hundreds of Israelis who died on October 7th were killed by the IDF. By the IDF. Okay? Isn't this what we've been telling our loyal listeners and viewers now for weeks? We were right. Just saying. Painful as that might be for some people, we were right. Because this is not our first rodeo. We've been through this with Syria for 10 years. I was gone through this with the Iraq War, having actually covered. The battle against ISIS, the Syrian war, the Ukraine conflict, COVID, the vaccine rollout, all the other sort of propaganda fests. We learned a thing or two, which is you do not believe official sources on face value. If you do, you're a clown. You're an, you, you will be proven to be uh, an idiot and a fool. Okay, and we do not want our audience to be fools and idiots. This is why we are skeptical of government statements and mainstream media propaganda, period. And it doesn't matter what the narrative is, what the setting is. As a general rule, that is the correct default position. Smart viewers and listeners understand that. And as painful as it is, again, to point this out, not everybody agrees with us on this point, because this is a highly politically charged issue, and it becomes an emotional issue for people, and worst of all, it becomes a tribal and a partisan issue, so much so that they have the blinders on. They have the blinders on, they see what they want to see or not, and they hear what they want to hear or not. And that's always been the story, not just for this incident, not just for this war, but for every single one before it. And that's why we're here. Uh, I I can't put it any simpler than that. And uh, what can we say? Let's take a break here with TNT, today's news talk. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We'll be back after these messages with our friend, Freddie Ponton. Looking forward to this discussion. We'll be right back.
0: You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper. But it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
2: God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be
0: an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one.
2: China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40... California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government that- stopping people
0: from going to church, Dr. Fauci. Mm-hmm. news talk radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I
1: do a lot of free streaming.
0: TNTradio.live.
1: All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. It is Wednesday. We're streaming out live here globally on TNT. Today's News Talk. If you're listening or if you're watching, we really appreciate you as a member of our audience. We hope you'll be a loyal listener or a loyal viewer. Uh, If you're listening on live stream, fantastic on the app. Amazing. If you're listening and watching on video on the live stream, either on YouTube or Rumble or the other great video sharing platform streams that TNT is going live out on, you can get that. Share it with your friends post it on social media. We will be uh, as well doing that on a daily basis. So you can look forward to that. So you can see us in Technicolor. And uh, one of the people that we can also see in Technicolor now is our trusted European correspondent, Mr. Freddie Ponton, who's been a busy bee behind the scenes, causing trouble internationally, stirring trouble internationally on the X platform. Freddie, welcome to the program. Great to see you
2: it's great to be with you patrick thank you for having me on the show
1: and i keep uh, i'm amazed freddie uh every time i open up i've got people sending me tweets all the time in my various uh, dm apps saying have you seen this have you seen this i'm starting to get people sending me your tweets (laughs) freddie (laughs) other journalists so that means that you're doing something right Freddie, what, what, how have you changed your game? You've changed the way you tweet. You've totally changed the way of of your game on social media. And so we're starting to see your account is getting a lot of traction. What, 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 what exactly have you done? What changes have you made and how you're working?
2: Well, I I think that there's so much, so much news out there, so much information and disinformation. It's really hard to cover it all. So I've really kind of uh, tried to be disciplined about. How I approach the uh, uh, the events, not trying to to cover, uh, you know, the the fresh fresh news, which uh, we need always to take with a pinch of salt until we can verify the information. So, as you were mentioning earlier in your show, it's really important not to to jump on the information and trying to to understand and fit it in a in a context that uh, uh, is uh, is demonstrable. You know, so I think it's a bit of more pragmatic uh, uh, approach patrick and then uh, a lot of threads uh, as you've, you've you've seen yourself you know i'm trying to break it down in a very lemon language uh as far as the international law the international humanitarian law and the customary law just you know breaking it down so that people can understand that whenever we say something as journalists we, we're trying to to put that in a frame uh that we can refer to and that is the international law uh so whatever uh news coming out of the united states or out of israel or even out of other countries uh we always need to refer to that to see if it actually that fits in or if what has been presented to us uh actually is uh, uh just a mistake or simply a, a war crime so we, we we have to decipher that and it's a bit of a game we can make mistake we're not perfect uh at all but uh, at the end of the day we're doing our best and i think the the work we've done over the last past I mean, not, not years, of course, but uh, with regards to the Gaza conflict, uh, we uh, we can say we've made a huge difference on the international stage. And uh, everybody has put countless hours towards, you know, maintaining a, a sensible uh, debate, making sure that we are not being too emotional about it, but looking at solutions. And the solution that we all need to look forward to is a peaceful solution. That's what we need. Mm. That's what the world needs. Peace.
1: One one of the one of the stories that you you threads you put out on on X um Twitter uh, Freddie, which was sent to me by another French journalist, by the way, uh, and he basically it was the it was the one about U.S. mercenaries from Ukraine spotted operating in Gaza on behalf of Israel. The American mercenary firm Forward Observations Group FOG, fog, as the acronym, uh, previously known for its presence in Ukraine, has claimed to have active members engaged in combat. Uh, inside of Gaza for the IDF on behalf of Israel, uh, Freddie. So tell us about this story because you've got some receipts here. Uh, it looks pretty, um, I'm not going to say, um, definitive, but it's, it's pretty compelling, uh, when you add all these things together. And uh, probably what we're looking at here is that mercenaries, first of all, what do you know about this story? And just in general, mercenaries fighting for Israel, go ahead. Yeah, the
2: well, basically the uh, the FOG, the uh, Forward Observations Group, is a is a mercy a mercenary firm. So we we knew about him, and they made made pretty much a name for themselves during the uh, the Ukraine conflict. They they were uh, pretty kind of uh, happy to to tell us that they were part of this uh, uh, this kind of mercenary effort, uh, combating alongside the uh, uh, as of battalions and other battalions uh, of the uh, regular Ukrainian army, so it was important to and very very strange to 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 see them uh, appearing and now um, showcasing on their Facebook accounts that they were actually in the Gaza Strip, you know, fully full gear on boots on the ground, uh, and obviously we we must wonder because obviously the United States is extremely careful about presenting themselves as being boots on the ground uh in, in 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 Israel, although we know they are, we know the intelligence community is uh, helping and providing all the intelligence support, the tactical and strategic support to the IDF, uh, especially with regards to the uh uh, freeing the hostages. I think that's something really the uh, American uh, intelligence and uh, military intelligence are, are very much involved with the IDF, uh, presenting the latest technique, the expertise in this particular domain. So I, I'm not surprised that for the dirty work and uh, the very highly paid risky work on the ground in Gaza has attracted mercenary like any kind of wars do. You know, So it's nothing uh, out of the um, Ordinary, but uh, of course, because the uh, I think uh, this is a an organization uh, that is uh, originally uh, from I think uh, uh, in the they come from the state of Nevada, and they were incorporated uh, in 2020 on in October 2020. So it was funded by a guy called Derek Bellis. Uh, is a former U.S. soldier. He served in Afghanistan, and he surrounded himself with some extremely uh, hardcore. Uh, mercenaries and uh, they're well known to carry flags and different symbols uh, which uh, resemble to a baphome or some kind of moloch uh, which is kind of threatening i'm not sure what really it means i mean you know this obviously (laughs) needs to be taken with a pinch of salt Uh, some people describe it as pro-zionist mercenaries and so on i I don't delve into this kind of, you know, rhetoric. All I'm trying to see is that right now this organization is operating in Gaza. They're telling us uh, what does it mean? How does that impact the uh, the current conflict? It is very difficult to say because they, they don't really uh, communicate about their their activities as you would expect them to do
1: and w- one of the things that early on that uh, i think you you saw this as well is that um and we we were talking about this on spaces with Hala Jabber great author of the Hezbollah the history of Hezbollah yeah. and also uh, Leila uh, Hatoum from uh, from Lebanon and another journalist were remarking about the fact that um, Israel's is undercounting its dead soldiers uh, in the combat. And one of the people they're able to undercount are mercenaries. So there are French, well, quite a few French, um, who are maybe dual passport holders or people who are volunteering, literally soldiers of fortune coming to fight with the IDF. they wanna have a crack at Hamas, they send them in first and from other European countries as well. And they don't get counted or the Israel doesn't count them as official casualties, but potentially I'm told can number in the hundreds that was in the first week of, of combat operations. So th- this, there's quite a few, uh, different groups, potentially Freddie that we're looking at here and the numbers are not insignificant.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, there, there are different factions. We, we're trying to track them, you know, uh, they some of them. Uh, we have their names, you know, so we don't need really them to uh, to, to communicate under the banner of the organisation they are representing or they're working under. Uh, we know their names, so it's we. They all have social media, and that's the beauty of social media. You can track down people individually. And trying to listen to the, to their conversation, or at least read their conversations, or what they're posting, and uh, we can see that many nationalities are already on the ground in in Gaza. So there's no doubt about that. We know that some French mercenaries are there, but other as well from Italy, Germany, and other countries. But uh, uh, again, I think what what it does is is really add up to the uh, to the. to to the fact that this is a a real highly intensified fight that is going on in in the in the gaza strips and uh, the israeli army is known to to be very cautious about limiting the casualties uh, of their um, their soldiers uh, using rather technology intelligence reconnaissance uh, any form of technology that's going to help them to be more uh, um, i would say clinical about their their operation uh, that is for the ground operation. But, uh, you know, in, in this particular settings, you know, you cannot avoid casualties. I mean, there is, you know, uh, samples of example around uh, the world of other conflicts that are the similar settings, although it's hard to compare to anything that we've known. But uh, uh, we saw what happened in Iraq, and it's quite clear that this is not something that's going to be resolved, you know, in the next couple of days, a couple of weeks. So it's going to drag on. Uh, It's a lot of resources uh, within the Hamas. It's well-sponsored. It's technically uh, extremely uh, uh, well-organized. And uh, I think they've prepared this conflict for a very long time. So we must expect this uh, this kind of guerrilla warfare to continue for a a period of time. Uh, But the bottom line, we also need to be very realistic uh, about the outcome. The uh, Hamas is fighting a, an army equipped with F-15 and f 16 second that can drop bombs, you know, for a long period of time. And uh, we want to make sure we have a, a, a Palestinian population that we can save uh, within the next weeks or two or in a month or two, you know. The, and, and, and the problem is that uh, more the fighting, more the guerrilla fighting is going on and, and of course more uh, civilian casualties and atrocities and humiliation we are going to see. Uh, and you probably saw that this morning, but we saw a report from Al Jazeera showing some very disturbing videos and uh, images uh, showing the um, inside the Sharia Abu Ghazala school in Alfa Fallujah area, which is part of the west of the uh, Jabalia, sorry, refugee camp in Northern Gaza. And we saw uh, women and uh, kids and you know uh, being literally uh, shot point blank And uh, hundreds of men sticking out and on display, again, a uh, bigger humiliation exercises. But uh, we have literally murders on cameras and it's really crazy. So I'm trying to assess it. I'm not jumping to conclusions, but uh, it -hmm. comes straight from Al Jazeera, which, you know, have a pretty strong source within the Gaza Strip. And these videos and images are obviously absolutely uh, just you know, unbelievable to see that. So I don't know how the IDF is going to come up and explain themselves. Uh, But uh, every day we see atrocities. And uh, I, I want to be a, a, a person that brings the debate of peace, you know, and how we get to peace. Uh, going to war is very easy to do. It's very easy to achieve. Uh, the, harder, the hardest work here is to look for peace, trying to put the emotion aside and trying to see Who can we bring to the table at this stage that would like to talk about peace? And that's really the exercise that I'm going to be focusing on until the end of the world is identifying those interlocutors on both sides in Palestine and in Israel that I want to talk about peace and not Mm -hmm. about bulldozering and killing civilians or, you know, trying to blame one side or the others, but people that I really want to work towards peace. And that's, that's what I'm going to be focusing on until the, at least until the end of the year.
1: Yeah, no, look, oh, as you brought up that, I want to talk about the peace issue. I also want to talk about the aid issue, Freddie, two important things that need to happen. Two big priorities, ceasefire and aid. These are two big priorities. I want to talk about that. Let's put that off to the side for a moment, because you brought up the issue of war crimes, and I want to talk about that. Um, so, yes, we're uh, we're cautious. We're waiting for more confirmation on those reports, which you just shared with us, Freddie. Um, Al Jazeera tends to have very robust Reporting. So I have every reason to believe that it is likely to be the case. However, we should be again very cautious because these are serious charges. The, these are. Be- you know there's a potential game changer uh, in the global conversation there's a massacre so it's the type of thing if you remember the Yugoslavian war Freddie um, the, the the alleged Serbian massacres uh, in Bosnia of which there were uh, massacres you could say but there was debate over how many and, and how they were attributed that, that debate still rages on till today in fact but highly politicized uh, Yugoslavia but you also are sharing some of these war crimes on your twitter uh, feeds freddie and one of them is the stripping down of civilians and then either marching them uh long distances or stripping them in on mass and putting hundreds of sort of you know naked men together in a ditch and then they're photographing it uh the israelis and i'm wondering what is this is this like humiliation Or they, they, they had a rehearsed one where they stripped all these men and then they made one of them carry an AK 47 as if he was a Hamas fighter. You probably saw that. And they did more than one take. So you could see it was rehearsed. The IDF made them shoot this video because he held the gun in two different hands, we saw two different takes that were leaked. So it was, there's a lot of this, these theatrics going on here, these Constitute war crimes, uh, Freddie? According to the Geneva Convention, do they not?
2: Well, uh, absolutely. The Third Convention, uh, G- the Third Geneva Convention, is very, very well detailed about uh, the treatment of prisoners. I've tweeted it actually, so people can go and click on the on the link there and, and really kind of uh, take the time to to read it. And uh, it's really in plain English for everybody to understand on how civilians need to be uh, treated. They're not. Uh, part of the conflict, uh, they are really protected by the Geneva Convention and under international humanitarian law. So there's many treaties, many uh, international law, war, the law of the war, war law that protects the civilians. And when they get caught up in the middle of an, a military operation, they need to be treated differently from uh, uh, from military operatives. And uh, we can clearly see in that particular incident which was basically another uh, <laughs> Hasbara kind of uh, you know demonstrations where the Israeli government's using again a, a very questionable communication strategy to uh, to to sell, I think primarily to the Israeli people to sell them that uh, they're, they're gaining ground and uh, this is a small victory and there's more to come unfortunately uh it fired back pretty badly for them and uh, very quickly there were indications uh, according to the footage according to uh the location uh that's really what was happening here is that the IDF literally got into a school grabbed women's and and men's uh and then put them in a in a, in a military truck and then brought them into the desert and they were there for a few days uh, a lot of her uh, abuse were, were reported for from those that were released from this particular group of captives uh which were taken hostage and uh, they they described uh, scenes of horror and uh, they were really humiliated uh, there was you know beating constant beating uh they were handcuffed some of them had numbers put on their on their hands you can see that they, they went through a lot a lot of uh, humiliations and and beatings and uh and these are civilians. So some guys, I mean, work for the newspapers, a known, well-established journalists. Uh, some of the guys work for an aluminium shops, and on and on. I mean, there was just so many of them. Or the percentage given today, which is very hard to verify, but we took in about a seventy-five to eighty-five percent of those that were uh, taken hostages by the ADF were actually just simple, regular people that have absolutely nothing to do with the Hamas. So again, you know, this is a, a an exercise to uh, uh, to create footage and data uh, to sell it to the Israeli population, telling them that we must continue because look, we are taking Hamas people and we emptying Gaza of the, the 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 its Hamas uh, armed forces when it, it couldn't be further from the truth. The Hamas remains still extremely strong in the in the Gaza Strip. Of course, they are taking casualties. <laughs> it's a combat. It's guerrilla. There's going to be people going down, but at the end of the day, it's nothing close to what the Israeli uh, military is trying to portray, not only in Israel but around the world. So. To go back to the Geneva Convention, uh, I think uh, on this particular case, uh, Israel is going to be in a major, major trouble because not only we can see the manufacture, the data, as you mentioned, you know, with uh, um, them giving instruction to uh, to a guy to hold a gun in the air. And then in another footage, you can see the, the guns and and it's kind of swapped to the other ends. And uh, uh, it's really clearly a uh, 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 a stage it's it's uh it's hollywood uh and unfortunately you cannot play hollywood in the gaza strip with civilian it's just simply against the law so israel has is been caught up here and they're gonna have to respond because it really amount to a war crime patrick
1: yeah yeah and there's so much of there's so many other examples if it's now coming out so clearly once they've penetrated Freddie um, into Gaza, and they're sort of prodding um, in, in northern Gaza, but also in, in more so in the south uh, with every given day. Now, um, you're starting to see more of these sort of <clears throat> demonstrations, if you will. Uh, we saw Israeli soldiers burning <laughs> food aid. You probably saw this as well, setting food aid on fire in the trucks, uh, and also uh stores with food in them and other supplies and burning them and sort of making videos and putting them out on social media of how they're destroying people's homes and going through people's belongings. It's, it's, the the humiliation aspect seems to be quite a big thing. Maybe the type of, if, for I soldiers, there's one there. I don't professional army to me, actually. Um, what they're doing is uh, any professional uh from a war crimes uh standpoint freddie but um one of the other issues is let me see we we, actually we're going to go to break freddie but when we come back i want to talk about the rafa border crossing also the un world food program as well and these other ngos and uh, these efforts that you're also familiar and experienced with we'll talk about that why these things are being held up this, this this side of things is a total disaster and i want to find out why and get your opinion on it after the break i'm patrick kenningson this is tnt today's news talk i'm here with investigative journalist freddie ponton from the continent we're going to delve in deeper uh into the humanitarian crisis that is building up right now in gaza we'll be back after these messages
0: with his expert analysis and opinion
1: this is tnt radio's timothy shea
0: Congratulations to new Argentine president, Javier Malay, who was sworn in over the weekend. Malay's election last month rocked the South American nation and the world and returned Argentina's government to the people after decades of socialists robbing them blind. How blind? The hyperinflation in Argentina has been outrageous, impoverishing up to 40% of the population. Inflation for 2023 stands at 183%. As bad as Bidenomics is, at least it's not that bad. And President Malay set an example for once and future President Donald Trump by signing an executive order as his first official act in office that reduced the number of ministries from 21 to nine. Twelve ministries, such as the Ministry of Women, genders and diversity are no more. Not only will that help the bottom line in Argentina, it will expand liberty and bring a better quality of life to the Argentine people. Here's hoping that that happens in the United States in 2025. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Whatever happens to good, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot and it's become our automatic answer to so much.
2: Hey, how's things? Good. Your mum, your weekend?
0: Good, good. Is good even that good anymore? At the Salvos, we believe good deserves better. Let's reclaim its true meaning. To us, good has always been about making a difference. And good never picks or chooses who it helps. Isn't it time we all remember what good really means? Political commentator and investigative journalist,
1: you're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back. We're streaming out live. We're still in the first hour of this live broadcast we're doing global news right now specifically the middle east very pleased to be joined with our european correspondent independent journalist freddy ponton you can follow him on x twitter at lfc news media just type in freddy ponton into the search you'll see the french flag there that's his icon that's his unmistakable twitter pfp image that everybody knows when they see that they know freddy is not far away freddy uh now we talked about peaceful solutions I think you're absolutely right to be focusing on this. Uh priorities are should be ceasefire, stop the stop the f- shooting, stop the killing, stop the dying and then aid needs to get into the Gaza strip, massive amounts of aid. To me that would be the t- the top two priorities. And everything else can be worked out uh through you know dialogue negotiations or whatever but those two things have to happen now the the rafa border crossing uh with with egypt and gaza um there's a lot of i, I hear this all the time if you watch mainstream media they say well egypt's in control and they're not letting the aid in uh, this is actually false uh, egypt is technically in control of the rafa border crossing uh, and that is from Egyptian to that kind of you know Palestinian territory, but that Palestinian territory is also occupied by Israel, and Israel has inserted checkpoints, checkpoints in between the Gaza Strip and the Rafah border crossing, and they even launched airstrikes against aid coming in in the early days of this the current. phase of hostilities, which began on October uh, 13th, uh, when the military operation began with the IDF, or even before that, uh, there were attacks on Israeli attacks, uh, artillery strikes, and I believe possibly a missile strike on the Rafah border crossing to prevent aid from coming through. So it's a false, it's fake news to say that Egypt controls all the aid coming in and out. So let's just establish that. That's, that's the fact. Okay. Now, if they're, if they're able to get aid in they're, they're they've they not, they have huge problems. Now they have a, they have a tailback of four miles with lorries, ready. Not only that you have the world food program with the UN wanting to uh, get involved. They have supplies on ready. None of this stuff is getting through. This is a huge problem. I know you've got experience on the ground with the World Food Program. You've been in Iraq during the war. I was in Iraq during the battle against ISIS. So we both are familiar with the, the type of terrain that these organizations would be working in. Okay, what's your kind of a feeling right now? Your assessment of the this this aid and this humanitarian crisis? Go ahead, Freddie
2: well delivering aid in a war zone is never easy patrick that's the rule number one you know you can have a lot of experience about delivering aid in different places in the world whether it's in the in the middle east or in africa at the end of the day it really the, the worst scenario possible is when this is happening in the middle of a conflict when actually there is uh war engagements and uh, intense fighting between the parties and uh, uh, un as uh, the United Nation has the responsibility to protect his uh his employees of course and to not of to not expose them to a, to a, to a, to, a, to a, a, an unacceptable threat if you will so this is the the, the problem that you're facing is a, a border that uh, Israel described as completely controlled by the Egyptians and then you you have an accumulations of uh, uh, of uh, lorries and goods that wants to come into the uh, the Gaza strip to uh, to provide some relief and some aid the problem as you said it very uh, uh, precisely is that there's a lot of checkpoints and you're dealing with an extremely paranoid israeli uh, defense forces which basically want to check every single uh, boxes every single person as well it goes down to the individuals they're extremely worried about having weapons or any kind of uh, uh, you know, some kind of support that could uh, uh, obviously change the outcome of this conflict, and then of course there is the the, the, the two border scenario, which uh, obviously the the IDF has talked about, where they'll say they'll allow some truck to use the uh, the other entrance for the south. But uh, what we are seeing right now is that uh, uh, there is definitely an impediment from the uh, from the Israeli to to let this uh, this food, this medicine, the water, uh, they're, they're creating really an unprecedented humanitarian crisis. Uh, and uh, by many means, and it's not only uh, redirecting uh, population uh, on the shore of the Gaza Strip in the al uh, kind of enclave, which has absolutely no facilities to accommodate 1.9 to 2.2 million people. I mean, this is ludicrous for them to call that a, a, a you know, a, a safe zone. There's no safe zone when you jump into a place and you put millions of people which have no toilets, no running water. Uh, this is a recipe for disasters, and the United Nations will tell you that. They've learned it from Sudan, from other places in Africa. You just simply don't do that if you care. Uh, and we can only come to a conclusion, is that the IDF and the Israeli governments really don't care much about Palestinians. They they, they don't look at them, they don't treat them as human beings, although they are responsible for them. You see, for me, what's really, I find it extremely difficult is when the Israeli government trying to detach himself from the responsibility of being an occupying force. It comes with uh, responsibility and you need to uh, there are certain things that you need to do and provide to these civilians even if you're the occupying force you're responsible for them and uh, right now from what we have seen is they've not only endangered the life of uh, hundreds of thousands of palestinians in the gaza strip whether it was in the north or in the south but they've also endangered the life of these people by you know piling them up uh, uh, on an enclave, Al-Mawazi. a dirty place. I've got footage of this place and I've actually posted it. It's just, you just don't want to send anyone there. Uh, yet they do. And then on the other side, you still need to feed people and you get kids literally roaming around the Gaza Strip, knocking at doors, trying to find waters because they haven't drink water for days or eaten food for days. Uh, this is really uh, uh, as bad as it gets because the United Nations cannot... Provide the support that they would like to do. We can see that the uh, the, the head of the Uni- uh, Un- UNRAT, the, uh, 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 the main operation of the UN in, in Gaza, is absolutely uh, frustrated by what Israel is doing, and so Israel keep on blaming other people for what they are actually doing to uh, to the past- Palestinian civilian population. And for me, that also add up to the list of war crimes. You know, if you are going to impede on the supply of food medicines and anything that can relieve and provide aid to the civilian population you're committing a war crimes so in the con- in the context of a genocide in the making uh then s- that's just going to reinforce the case of israeli literally uh being involved in uh, uh and an undertaking that's really pretty much is a genocide at this stage uh Israel will never be seen the same way, and that's my my conclusion. Israel will never be seen for the same light again. Uh, they've lost this this trust and the, the contract that's you know untold human contracts where you shall do no harm to people, you shall not kill. You know, and civilians have absolutely nothing do with what's going on, you know, with the Hamas, You're not because you vote for the Hamas and only 40% of the population that voted for the Hamas, as Max Blumenthal has mentioned. And it's very right to say so. It's very, very criminal of the uh, Israeli governments to try and to mix the populations and basically portray the Palestinian as terrorists. Uh, This is really what they're trying to do, and that's what we hear over and over this case of Israeli, uh, sorry, Palestinian terrorists and Palestinian terrorist factions, it's all about terror and terrorism, you know, so how a normal mind, a simple mind is going to dissociate that there are many civilians, you know, at least more than millions that absolutely don't want this kind of thing to happen. They they just want to live their, their life peacefully and hopefully been able to get back their lands and their freedom, which they've lost for the last past 70 years.
1: Yeah, well put, Freddie, well put. And uh, and also we thank you for detailing a lot of these things on your ex uh, Twitter platform, very educational. The threads you're putting out, very well detailed. You, you're boiling it down into simple bullet points and showing people basically how all of these issues relate to international law. And it's interesting, Freddie, because we've got a big debate here in America, uh, and I know it's a slightly different debate, you know, legally in France and other parts of Europe. But people say, well, especially conservatives, they say, well, there's no such thing as international law. Um, You know, the U.N. doesn't uh, uh, rule over the U.S. and they don't have any power anyway international law is just sort of out there in the cloud internationally. Um, While that is uh, somewhat true in the realist sense, um, actually we have a thing in America called the Supremacy Clause. And that's if, if, if we ratify a treaty, like the Geneva Conventions, Freddie, and we ratify a treaty and Congress then passes that ratification, it then becomes enshrined In U S law, it becomes part of the U S constitution via the supremacy clause. So it is in fact, the law of the land. And one of the the stipulations, uh, in those war crimes treaties, Freddie, is that the United States cannot supply any arms, weapons, or anything to anybody that is using these against civilian populations. And not only that, they can interdict, uh, other countries that are doing this if they so choose to. OK, can enforce this on other countries through sanctions or restrictions or seizures or things like that. So but, but just for domestic, Freddie, just for the domestic law that so that 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 is the law of the land. So the United States is uh, engaged in a war crime. Technically, I, I think to me, it's pretty clear this is beyond debate. Uh, Leave Israel off to the side. I'm talking to you as an American. So my question to you is, Freddie, what is the what is the legal status of France and the other European countries that are also involved uh, in the supply chain right now with this conflict? Go ahead.
2: Yeah, there's two angles to that, Patrick. There's the, the supply chain, as you just said. You know, if you provide weapons to a country that is involved in a conflict that is committing war crimes, you can be liable in front of the international humanitarian law and international law. Uh, you know, liable for participating, aiding, and abetting basically a genocide or a war crimes, and uh, uh, there are severe sanctions against states for doing that. And then there is another part that is also the responsibility of the United Nations uh, member state, which is to prevent genocide. So to do everything in their uh, in their capacities as a state uh to prevent genocide and war crimes from occurring so if they're aware and it's really about the awareness of the states that a a genocide is is in the making or a war crime uh is perpetrating and it seems that it's going to be repetitive uh, they have the obligation under international law uh, to uh, use all the tools that are offered by the United Nations Security Council as well as the United Nations General Assembly uh, to condemn these states that are perpetrating criminal acts or even, you know, as bad as war crimes and, and genocide. So it's a responsibility. You not just get to watch and then walk away. Uh, according to the international law, you have a responsibility to stop it as long as you're aware it has been committing. And I think today we can all agree that it's hard to not be uh, now uh, aware of the atrocities that are taking place in the Gaza Strip. So, as I say, it's not just the United States, and you're very right to say that. There are a lot of liability. We saw weapons coming out of Germany, out of Italy, going into the Gaza, into, into Israel. Uh, we see a lot of flights. Some guys that are specialized in tracking flights have really pinpoint some flight coming out of of Germany going straight into uh, Tel Aviv. So we know that there is a supply chain that goes far beyond what the U.S. is providing to the Israeli uh, armed forces. I think right now it's that uh, if we have a system, uh, a rule order that actually functions, then it means that uh, it must apply and it must obey to to the international uh, uh rules and the international law that have been set forth to protect civilians at all cost uh, so if they do not apply for israel they do not apply for anyone and we in deep shit so something needs to happen Something needs to happen, otherwise, the complete validity of this world rule based order is falling apart because you're talking about rules, law, uh, countries of law, and democracy. Uh, if none of that applies to the countries and they cannot be held uh, uh, responsible for these crimes uh, and for being passive or objecting, interfering with the aid and the humanitarian relief uh, that is proposed for the last resolution with the United Arab Emirates. Uh, what is that all about? You know, Who on earth allow one country against 190 to say, no, we're not going to do that because we got a veto power. That needs to go out of the window. These rules of veto has been challenged by France in 2014. And uh, many countries signed that under really humanitarian crisis uh, as Mm -hmm. part of an emergency measures, the possibility of vetoing any kind of resolution will not be tolerated at the United Nations Security Council for that very specific reason. And that was the government of uh, uh, Hollande, Francois Hollande, that uh, actually put that forward. And I think that's probably one of the only great things that he he tabled at the United Nations. So we're in a a dire strait at the moment. We, We need justice. We need the justice system to be available Otherwise, it's going gonna, it's gonna to increase in density and uh, uh, it's going to become a major regional conflict and it's going to drag Russia, it's going to drag eventually Iran, Russia and China because there's no other way. I mean, what these guys are doing, they keep on meeting every two weeks. You can see uh, Putin's going to the, to the Gulf, sitting down with the United Arab Emirates. You can see Putin going to Saudi Arabia. And then upon his return, he's got Raisi, sitting down with him. What do you think these guys are talking about? Well, I can mm-hmm. tell you what they're talking about. They're talking about Gaza. They're talking about energy. And they're talking about military military uh, partnership, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a coordination. And they're going to coordinate their defense. They're not going to be deterred.
1: Yeah. They're not going to no, be deterred. Freddie- Freddie, very important conversation. Again, we're just scratching the surface of it. Thank you for joining us on TNT this week. Freddie Ponton, follow him on X Twitter and also look at his work at 21stCenturyWire.com. Freddie's done a great job and continues to do so. Thank you for joining us, Freddie.
2: You're welcome. Thank you by
1: me. Look, top of the hour news headlines are coming up and I got Dr. Neil McRae waiting in the green room pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. That's gonna be uh, entertaining to say the least. Uh but we're gonna hit the UN resolutions and other big stories on the other side. Patrick Henningson, your host, TNT Radio. We'll be right back.